Hello, and welcome to the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I'm Carl from selfsufficienthub.com, and I'm here to talk about all things self-sufficiency, all things homesteading, and about how we can reduce the gap between our consumption and our production. Sustainability and food security matters. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 262 of this Self-Sufficient Hub podcast and welcome to season 2. Season 2, episode 1, not sure how I'm going to keep track of all these numbers. I think we'll just go to episode numbers again and uh, I don't want to lose that nice big number. I'm quite proud of that, 262 as of today. But uh, welcome back and today we're going to be talking a bit like a, an overview of what it is we're all trying to achieve. We're going to talk about all the different ways that we can be a little bit more sustainable, a little bit more self-sufficient, and just a general overview of the general goals of this podcast insofar as the sort of things that we're all in it for. Before we do, tiny bit of housekeeping, and that is basically to start by just saying thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you to all of you for all of your support over the last year or two building this podcast into what it is today and I just really really appreciate it thank you to all of my amazing patrons thank you to everybody who supports me on YouTube thank you to everybody who sends emails and you're just all really really appreciated and none of this would happen without you guys so thank you so much and before we get into the meat of of today's episode I want to start with a voice message that someone left me so I'm going to hand over to that now. Hi Carl this is Alex Todd from the Net Zero Homestead. Wanted to let you know I just finished listening to your first 100 episodes and that was a blast. Got a couple of things to say. Uh, first I would recommend to the other listeners of this podcast to try listening to all of them from the start. It's really an adventure and really shares the journey. Second I want to let you know that your podcast has really been a catalyst for our homestead. Uh, we've moved from no livestock to having pigs and goats, and soon we'll have ducks. And we now have a garden that is producing produce. Hooray! Okay, third, I wanted to let you know that you're really my favorite form of entertainment. So good on you. And last, with uh, the end of the year coming up, where could one send a Christmas thank you? Please let me know. Okay. Well, thank you so much for that lovely, lovely message, Alex. And as I've mentioned on the show, every time I get a message from a listener in that format, it makes me do a little happy dance. And I definitely did with that one. Thank you so much. So, I mean, you mentioned about going back and starting from the start to my first 100 episodes. And I periodically have reason to pop back and just listen through to something just to see what I said, see if I've already covered some ground. And I definitely think that personally, as a podcaster, as a host, I have evolved over the time that I've been doing this. And when I listen back to some of those earlier episodes, I just don't think that I feel quite as comfortable on the microphone as I do now. But that doesn't mean that they're not worth while listening to. So thank you ever so much for that piece of information and that sort of suggestion that other listeners who have perhaps joined the show recently might want to go back and listen to those first episodes. Uh, also, it's, it's always always such a great feeling, a really heartwarming feeling when I hear that I've been an inspiration for people to do things. And 
whatever that might be. In your case, you mentioned, you know, getting the livestock and growing your own produce. And it's just amazing when I hear that I've inspired people to do things like that. So well done on all of those. And thank you very much for your very, very kind words and all of your gushing compliments. <laughs> I, uh, I take them to heart and really, really appreciate them. Thank you so much. And Alex is a patron and I have actually responded via email to you. So thank you for that, Alex. And if you want to get in touch, you probably know how to do so by now. But just in case, it's selfsufficientcontact at gmail.com. And I really, really do love hearing from you. And I'm always open to hearing not just praise like that, but if you've got criticisms of the show or ideas for episodes or questions, please, please do get them in. I got a question not so long back about beekeeping and, you know, basically a way of keeping bees that was a little bit more natural than what some people might suggest. And I've got an episode coming up on Wednesday in two days time where I've got my good friend Alan from the Urban Homesteading UK podcast coming on. He's a far more experienced beekeeper than I. And we're going to be addressing that email and all those types of questions in that episode. So tune in for that one. It is a blast. Uh, What else? That's about it for the housekeeping, I think. So let's start talking about how, you know, being self-sufficient and growing your own food is, is a term I've used before, but I consider it to be like the Swiss army knife of sustainability. It's all about you know, well, it can be about, I suppose that's the beauty of it. It can be about whatever you want it to be about. You can have various reasons for wanting to do it, to be more self-sufficient, more self-reliant. Perhaps your reason for doing it is because you really, really care deeply about what you put into your body and you want to have more control over that. You want to know how your food was grown and where it comes from. Perhaps you want to be more sustainable. You want to reduce food miles and growing your own food. You know, I quite often say that we're not talking about food miles here. We're talking about food meters. And, uh, you know, that's a fantastic way of being sustainable. Perhaps you want to reduce your carbon footprint, not only in that way, but by reducing the amount of packaging that is produced. And certainly by producing your own food, if you think about the amount of plastic that goes into a little packet of asparagus, well, none of that plastic is involved in me getting my asparagus into the house. So, you know, there's another way that you can be sustainable. Perhaps you are interested in regenerative agriculture. Perhaps you're interested in custodianship of the land, which is, again, something else I talk about all the time. And by growing your own food, you really get to connect with that. Perhaps you're doing it for your own mental health and your own well-being. There's been numerous studies talking about the positive benefits of being involved in gardening with mental health. And I certainly feel them. And I feel that I get all of these benefits and all of these benefits individually drive me along with some others. One of the other things that drives me to do what I do is the idea of being self-reliant. The idea that whatever happens out there in the big wide world to supply chains or whatever else, I can provide for my family. And these are all good reasons. You only need one of them to do what we do, but they're all fantastic reasons to try and become more self-sufficient. And in doing one of them, in choosing to do one of them, you get all the benefits of all the others. And that's why I refer to it as the Swiss army knife of sustainability. And 
that's obviously the topic for today and the general idea that I want to talk around. But I think it's going to be the topic of the season, this idea of what we're doing. And it's not just about food. Now, obviously, if you've been listening to me for a little while, you'll know that my focus is on food and, you know, uh, probably 90 to 95% or maybe more of my podcasts are based around something to do with the food chain. However, it's not just about food. And season two, I want it to really have one goal insofar as the general things that we're discussing. I want them all to come under one umbrella. And that is to talk about closing the gap between our personal consumption and our production. And that goes right across the board. It talks about, obviously, producing our own food, but beyond that, you know, just needing a little bit less, needing to consume a little bit less, not necessarily buying things that are throwaway items that aren't going to last very long, about fixing things, about learning new skills, about not necessarily needing all of that gear. Now, again, this is another sort of side channel to this category that, that has its own subdivisions. You can talk about minimalism in your house. You can talk about living in a tiny home. You can talk about making your own food, making your own furniture, making your own clothing. There's so many different ways that we can work towards reducing the gap between our consumption and our production. And that really is the focus of this season, I hope. So if there's anything you would like to get in touch and talk to me about on that topic, please do so. I'm always looking for guests to come on the show with a story to tell. And if you think that's you, then reach out because I'm all ears. But I know that very heavily in the past, my focus has been on food and, and I, I will keep it there because I think it is such an important thing. When we talk about our consumption, food is the thing that we are consuming every single day. It's not every single day that we're, you know, throwing out a pair of jeans and buying a new pair, but every single day we are cycling food through our systems in our households. And that's why I think it is top of the tree, really, when we talk about closing that gap between our consumption and our production. But I'm going to encompass everything that falls into that category. So coming up this season, I'm hoping to be talking to a couple of mechanics about how we might be able to take better care of our cars, how we can reduce the amount of work that goes into maintaining them, but how we can do some of that work ourselves and not necessarily rely on garages and replacing our cars as often as we might. But also our houses, you know, general house upkeep, how we can maintain our properties that little bit better and how we can make some more of the things within it. Now, as I look around my house, there are lots of things that I've made myself. Our dining table that you might have seen, if you watch my YouTube videos, you'll certainly have seen it in a, several of those. But the dining table we have in our kitchen is one that I made myself about eight years ago now. It took me about 40 minutes and I made it from some offcuts and leftover pieces of wood that I had lying around. Our little island on wheels that we've got in our kitchen. I made that when we moved in here and various other things. I made my daughter's bed. And, you know, these are all different things that we can consider doing ourselves. And we, the, 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 there is no limit to the things we can do ourselves. It really is a case of just getting stuck in and having a go. And 
you know, I realize when I say that, that's not, that's not strictly true. There is a limit, you know, we can't make our own electronical devices maybe, but there are things that we can do in almost every area of our lives where we can make some of the things that we would otherwise buy, you know, whether it's soaps, Christmas presents, Christmas decorations. And, you know, we're coming to that time of year. So hopefully we'll be able to cover all of those things this season. And I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to going on that journey with you guys. Hi, guys. I'm just very quickly interrupting the show to say please consider supporting it. If you'd like to consider supporting this one-man operation, there's lots of ways you can do it. One of the easiest of which is just to talk about it, to share it online on your social media pages or with friends. By growing this audience is one of the best ways that we can actually ensure that the show is sustainable. If you'd like to support it more directly, then please consider becoming a patron. You can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub by becoming a patron you help me to achieve things that i'd love to be able to do in the future such as buying better equipment to increase the quality allowing me to pay myself some time to spend on the podcast again increasing the quality of it and also paying for things like transcription and show notes if you would like to do that please do consider going to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub thank you Everything you do to support this show is really appreciated. So when we talk about the Swiss Army knife of sustainability and we look at all of those benefits that we get from it, you know, the mental health benefits, the the sustainability benefits, the custodianship of the land benefits, we can boil that down into just one tiny example. We can take pretty much anything we grow. I've been harvesting a lot of cabbages over the last few days and preserving them. And if we just look at that versus buying one at a shop, well, to buy one at a shop, first of all, that's almost certainly if you're buying it in a supermarket, it's going to have been grown in a relatively intensive agricultural setting. It's almost certainly going to have been grown as part of a monoculture. Now, that monoculture will not be conducive to things like pollinators, our bees. It's almost certainly going to be in a field that's been sprayed with herbicides and pesticides. And that's also in a field which, because they're grown in monocultures, almost certainly will have quite a high fertilizer requirement every year. And that is also going to have knock-on effects to the soil quality. It's going to inhibit the growth of all of those amazing symbiotic organisms that form the soil food web, which is a bit of a vicious circle, really, that I've spoke about before. As soon as you start interfering with that natural soil food web that forms symbiotic relationships between the plants and the organisms in the soil, including the fungi, it's really difficult to get that back. You have to let that do its thing and it'll feed the plants for you. As soon as you mess with it, then, you know, you're going to be responsible for providing all of those nutrients to the crops in the form of fertilizers. And this is, as I said, a bit of a vicious circle. Once it's grown in that manner, it's also then got to be harvested and shipped using fossil fuels, almost certainly shipped to a processing plant where it's going to be packaged, probably in some plastic, and then shipped again to make its way to the supermarket. And all of this time is time that it's spent traveling or not in the ground, not being eaten, not being preserved, just shipped. Then once it gets to the supermarket, usually we're going to spend our own fossil fuels and our time going there to buy it, which is going to then 
cost us money. And beyond that, it's also going to have spent fossil fuels getting there, or maybe we're going to get it delivered. Either way, it's going to take some fuel. Now, then what you end up is a lovely cabbage that's going to taste delicious, I'm sure, in your kitchen. But you're not going to know the provenance of it. And it's got this sort of backlog in its wake of all of those things that have happened. Versus we grow a cabbage in our garden. We connect to where our food comes from. We start asking ourselves different questions about how our food grows what sort of micronutrients it might need and where they come from and how nature works to deliver them. We gain time in our garden. We perhaps connect a little bit more fully to nature while doing so and the cyclic nature of the seasons. We understand a little bit more about where our food comes from. We think a little bit more about seasonality. We think a little bit more about food miles. Then we also have full control over what gets sprayed on it or near it. And if you're like me, that'll probably be nothing. And then at the end of the day, we can harvest that and bring it in. We can compare it to that shop-bought cabbage, and it's probably going to be a little bit smaller, probably have a few holes in it from bugs, if it's anything like mine. But it's going to taste at least as good, if not better. It's going to be fresher and it's going to have delivered us all of these amazing benefits at the same time. Then we're going to dig in a little bit deeper and we're going to start composting the the leftovers. We're going to start composting the trimmings that can't be used. Perhaps we're going to recycle them by feeding them to our animals and creating manure that we're then going to compost and use to feed our soils. We're going to connect to the piece of ground that grew that cabbage because that piece of ground is up to us to look after. It's relying on us. We are the ones who ultimately get to decide whether we're going to plough it by digging it over and disturb those micronutrients in the soil. We're the ones who get to decide exactly how we're going to grow it and nurture it for the future. There's a there's an amazing saying that I've come across in the closed season in between season one and season two. And I believe it was from an ex-president of the United States. And I, although I can't remember 100%, I might be getting it wrong and I'm going to paraphrase it. But he basically said that we don't inherit the earth from our ancestors. We borrow it from our children. And I think that is just a fantastic phrase, a fantastic sentence and a fantastic way of looking at it. And I think if we all took that on board and took that to heart and started looking at the world in that lens, through that lens, then it's going to serve us really well. It's going to help us make good decisions for the future, long-term decisions, not short-term decisions. When you think that that piece of ground, the whole earth, everything around us in nature, we haven't inherited that from our ancestors. We're simply borrowing it from our children and our children's children. And it's our job to look after it. We are simply the custodians of it. We have custodianship of it for a small amount of time before it passes on to the next generation. And, you know, we need to take that seriously. We can be involved in our own little way, but really we can vote with our feet. We can vote with our feet by choosing the things that we do buy choosing to maybe spend a little bit more on something a little bit more sustainable. And as a result, we'll have a little bit less to spend. And perhaps we have to make choices about what we buy and what we consume. So maybe by buying a little bit less 
it also frees up our ability to vote with our feet. It frees us up to make more conscientious decisions and choices. And we can perhaps say to the big commercial enterprises that are out there meeting demand, we can say demand is shifting. We're no longer wanting this mass-produced, low-quality, cheap, buy-it-and-throw-it-away thing. We want this sustainably sourced, ethically sourced, with fair trade principles thing that costs a little bit more. And I accept that I can only buy one of these a month rather than two because they cost a bit more. And that's my responsibility to, you know, put that in the right frame and make the right decisions. We're all in very different positions financially. And what is possible for me might not be possible for you. And what's possible for someone else might not be possible for me. We're all in very, very different positions. But we have a responsibility to make our decisions with all the information. And I think that comes down to places like this, this podcast. But not only here, don't stop here. You know, the world is your oyster these days. You've got Google in your pocket with your smartphones. We're all able to do a little bit of research and take responsibility for our actions a little bit. And when we start doing that, there will be knock-on effects that are far greater than we can achieve on our own. Now, I'm all about making small decisions for yourself, but when we make them as a collective of people, when a group of people, thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions strong, all decide that they're going to make a decision, a financial decision to move in a certain direction towards sustainability, then that will have knock-on effects up the production chain. Rather than just affecting the bottom of it where we are, it's also going to lead commercial producers to make the sort of decisions that are going to be rewarded by demand. And it's up to us to shift the demand. That's something we can do. We can do that as a collective. So, we can also get involved in lots and lots of other ways. There's lots of different sustainability initiatives, whether it's joining a seed saving group, whether it's getting involved in your local community by taking part in activities that might happen around allotments and places like that. We can all get out there and do our little bit to share the message, to do our bit, to help vote with our feet, to make good decisions, to become informed. These are all things that are our responsibility and that we get to choose. We get to make our own decision. And by doing so, we're going to get all of those benefits that is the Swiss Army knife of sustainability. We're going to reduce our personal and our household food miles. We're going to reduce the amount of packaging the world requires to produce for us. We're going to have a small nudging effect on other producers by showing them what we are and are not willing to spend our money on. We're going to have an effect on our friends and family when they taste our amazing food and when we talk about it and our evangelical about what we do and why we do it. We're going to get all of those benefits and we're also going to be able to, in my case, sit down over a Christmas dinner and think, I built this table, I grew this food and it has made all of these happy, happy faces. So the benefits are myriad. There are so many of them and I can't think of anything else I'd rather be doing or talking about or sharing with you guys. 
And I ask you at this point to please consider sharing this podcast as we start season two. Please, please do think of one person who you know who might be interested in this podcast and give it a mention. Let them know. You can also talk about it on your own podcast or wherever you post online. And everything you do to help this podcast grow has a huge effect, not only on the podcast itself, but on me personally. I genuinely appreciate it. As I said right at the outset of this episode, I appreciate all of your support and I wouldn't be here without you. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'm really happy to be back and I'll speak to you all on Wednesday. Cheers. This episode of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast was brought to you by our patrons. You guys are awesome. If you'd like to support the show, there's lots of ways you can do it. The easiest of which is just to like and review it wherever you get our podcasts. You can also tell somebody about it, whether that's on social media or just face-to-face with a friend who you think might benefit from it. But however you support our podcast, we really, really appreciate it. If you'd like to become a patron, please consider doing so by going to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. However you support the podcast, it's listeners like you that make all of this possible. Thank you ever so much for listening, and I'll speak to you really soon.